Welcome back to the EMG podcast. Today I'm joined by Steve Clark. Uh, I've known Steve for about nine or ten years, I think, when I first oh, met me. you. Um, and then I've used Steve on various occasions for business coaching and keynote speaking and things like that over the years. And he's very kindly taken a bit of time out from his Christmas holidays to have a chat with us today. So welcome, Steve. No, thank you. So I just wanted to ask you a few questions today and find out a bit more about your background and what, what motivates you and your mindset and stuff like that. So give us a bit of background on yourself, Steve. What, what, where did you all start off? <laughs> Well, I was born in... How far back do you want to go? I've well, uh, uh, it'd be nice to hear a bit about your education onwards. So, <laughs> purely because I know a bit about your education. So, it's, it's, we're looking at, we've been talking about mindset recently, and I think your mindset obviously played a, a huge part in your success over the years. Yeah, I think you probably know more about my lack of education than, <laughs> than my education. Uh, I, I, me and education didn't get on too well. So, I was out of school at 16 with no real qualifications at all. Uh, I think it was just, there, there was a problem there, yeah, but there were either girls or exam rooms, and yeah. I, I knew which one picked my attention over the other, and so I, I suffered quite a bit of distraction. Uh, I, no one could explain to me at school why, where I was going in terms of if I get certain qualifications, then what? Uh, in fact, I do remember, do you remember this, Pence, but we used to have careers guidance counsellors that would come into the school, yeah. uh, and I had to come in, Clark, sit down, So what do you want to be when you're, when you're grown up and when you leave school? And my answer was something like, rich and successful, sir. Yeah. I'm not meaning to be overly flippant, but it clearly was. And yeah. that was just met with, get out. <laughs> that, was, that was my career's guidance in, in a nutshell right there. So I didn't know what I wanted to do or where I wanted to go. So having left school, I spent probably a year, year and a half flitting between different jobs with absolutely no purpose or direction in my life. Uh, ended up as a petrol pump attendant. It was, it was really funny. When I, you say I was doing quite a bit of keynote speaking, lecturing at universities, which is quite cool. I didn't go to university, but I was then asked to go and lecture at universities latterly. And I used to have to explain to the kids what a petrol pump attendant <laughs> was. I was that old. But I was there pouring people's petrol in their cars, and there was a particular cold, wet winter's night when a guy pulled up to the pump and asked me to fill up his car. And I looked and thought, there's something wrong with this picture, because he was clearly about my age, but sitting inside a really smart car wearing a very smart suit, and I'm outside in the rain filling his car with fuel. And I asked him at the time what it was that, that, he, that he does, and he mentioned that he was a sales rep. I didn't know what that meant or what it particularly was, but I knew right there I wanted to be one. Yeah. And if the car and the suit came with it. And, uh, and I asked him, how did you get to do what you do? And we're about the same age. What kind of qualifications have you got to do what you do? And it was a, a, a real pivotal moment for me when he said, it's not about education. And he reached down in the car and he passed me a cassette tape which is the other thing I've had to explain at universities too, what cassette tape was. Um, but on there, you, you, I'm sure you're aware of him. When I, when I got the cassette, he handed me that and said, this might help you, it helped me a lot, and he drove off into the night. It sounds a bit melodramatic, but that act of giving me the tape completely changed my life. Yeah. Because rather than just poo-pooing it, I took the cassette home and listened to it, and it was Zig Ziglar. Yeah. So not just an American, yeah, yeah. but an American with a deep, sudden drawl that yeah, was yeah. difficult to listen to for some people. But instead, I listened to the message. And again, what he was saying on the cassette was, if you want to see a change, it's down to you. Yeah. It's not down to anyone else. He also reiterated, it's not about an education. It's about what you do. And it's your actions that you take that make the difference. Uh, and that was the thing that really made the change for me. It wasn't my education. It was being told, it's okay not to have a formal education, but now you've got to do something with it and not just have excuses. Yeah. That, that was kind of where things started to take, take a change for me. 
Okay. So that was your first job. What about the first business you ran? Uh, you know, what, what, tell us a bit about that and what made you decide to set up your own business in the first place? Well, I got a, I got a sales role uh, to start with. So shortly after that particular piece, I decided I want to be in sales. I went through a round of rejections because I didn't have a background, didn't have the experience until ultimately someone took a, a risk with me and gave me a job as a telesales person. Within about nine months, I was offered a sales reps job. And then within a few months after that, I was a sales director of that company. Yeah. But that was for someone else's company. It only took me a couple of years to realize that, in fact, I could do this for myself. And, uh, and away we went. It was in an office equipment business back in the day where we had memory typewriters, not even computers. Yeah. And, and I just realized that if you, if you niche and you sell things to people in a niche, as you well know with what you're doing, yeah. you can you know, really uh, take that to the bank rather than just trying to compete with everyone. You've got a niche to work in. Yeah. And so over the years, you've, you've, you've set up and run a number of businesses. How many have you run and what, what do they all do? Or what uh, did quite, they all do? Quite a few different ones. So that was, I went from selling office stationery to then selling typewriters and bits. Then the world caught up and, and I had the Apple's, or Apple's fastest growing uh, dealership in the UK at one point. Yeah. We had Canon's top uh, office automation company. Uh, and then I had a, an opportunity to go and actually change my world altogether when I discovered a, a winter sports product in a really poor piece of advertising in the back of a, a holiday catalogue. Yeah. I bought these little goofy skates, uh, and when I took them off on a, on a ski trip, these were like boots, injection-molded boots with a ski built onto the bottom. Yeah. And I had half a dozen of my sales team out with me. I took them on a jolly to give them a, a sales incentive trip. And one day, just for a bit of fun as a practical joker, I got to the top of the mountain with just these boots on, and made it out to the rest of the guys. I'd left my skis at the chalet, and oh, what do I do? And I just ran off the mountain and started skiing down in my boots, which is what they're meant to do. Yeah. But it wasn't just them that were a bit surprised. Everyone around me were just like, I can't believe it. What are you doing? What's it called? What are these? And it, these little skates, uh, I checked out, and there was no distributor in America. Uh, and during that week in America, while I was there on holiday, I was checking out what the market might be like. Yeah. Long story short, four weeks later, I moved to America yeah. and set up a whole new business <laughs> with this winter sports company. And uh, yeah, so I, so I moved from being in office equipment four weeks later to moving and living in America, yeah. setting up another whole new business, which we ended up floating on the, the NASDAQ. So we took that from startup to public company. Yeah. That was once again when my lack of qualifications came and bit me squarely in the backside. Right. Because while I was running the company in America as a Brit, no problem at all, employing Americans, fueling the economy, now I was going to be the president of an American publicly held company. Yeah. And three hour levels, one being woodwork. Apparently, I'm not qualified to run a public company in America. Right. So I had to leave there after a few years battling with immigration. Came back to the UK and set up another parts company for computers with a friend, which that was the one that we, we scaled and grew that was a good success. We went from startup to about 32 million in sales yeah. and a really good EBIT as well in eight years yeah. and then we exited that back in 2005 yeah that, that was a that was a really good deal that's when you retired yeah <laughs> the yeah, first for a, time for a, yeah for, for the first time and for a, for not too long yeah and, uh, yeah cool great stuff and and you've you've now what are you doing now tell us a bit more about what you're doing now uh, well, so, so when I when I did try the retirement and I, I did think it was great retirement at 45 was the goal um, yeah debt free bit of cash in the bank and everything that should have been fine and dandy but it got duller than dishwater yeah uh, trying to call my friends for a round of golf and they're all saying 
Yeah. Sorry, Clarky, we've got work to do. Yeah. So at 45, playing golf with 75-year-old men wasn't my idea of fun. Um, and I, but I ended up getting dragged into kind of a bit of coaching and mentoring for people when they were just asking for advice. That led into speaking at smaller conferences with 20 people, 100 people. Uh, and then someone said, how much do you charge for doing these talks? really <laughs> people pay for this so it, it moved on to being a conference speaker and that, that that took me to best part of 40 countries around the world where people were paying yeah to fly me to china to speak for half an hour yeah um yeah and various other things so that, that was really good <clears throat> and i was happily semi-retired doing that until my old business partner this is now the fourth time we've been in business together he called me and said i found the next thing and so now, <laughs> uh, I live in Santa Barbara, California, and I've just started another another whole new business in the American trucking industry. And if I remember correctly, I had a couple of conditions for you to, to, to join him. Well, he, he sent me an email. I told you, I remember I shared this with you. He sent me an email that just said, I found the next thing, but uh, before we talk, you need to answer yes to the following three or four questions. It was, uh, I need to see more of you, because after we sold the last business, he moved to Spain, and we didn't see each other that often. So number one, you've got to see more of me. Okay. Number two, you've got to buy a motorbike. And number three, you've got to move to California. That was all I knew about the business to start, <laughs> to start with. But he, he got me and that was good. Uh, and again, I tend to be fairly impulsive with this kind of stuff. But yeah. the opportunity looks fantastic. looks really bright. Um, the product we've got is unique and patented. And it's going to save trucking companies a huge amount of money on their fuel bills. And it's good for the environment. So it's a, it's a double whammy. Yeah. Great stuff. So what is it do you think made you this sort of person? Is it, is it, can you put it down to the Zig Ziglar tape or is there something else about your mindset that you think puts you in that position? Well, I think that, that must have been in me somewhere. It, it was just, you know, I needed something to, to be the catalyst to get me to think that it's down to me to do something. I was suffering of the, you know, the, the poor me kind of syndrome at 17, 18, thinking this is what my life's all about. You know, it's just going to be the factory worker with other people. But I wasn't content with that. You know, I'm, I'm content with my life, definitely now, and I was then, but I didn't want to just settle for it having to be the way it was. Yeah. And when I realised, when I got my first sales job, I realised that selling isn't a dark art. It, it's simply finding people who've got a bit of a problem, helping them with a solution. Yeah. And quite often, the bigger the problem, the bigger the solution, the bigger the pay that comes with it. Yeah. And I, I remember, you know, at 18, I was doing three-week holidays in the Caribbean where my friends were... You know, scratching around trying to yeah. put fuel in their cars yeah. and I don't say they'd be big and clever I just realised that you can be the master of your own destiny yeah. and so I wasn't about to accept just the way things were and I, and I still don't now it, it's the fact that I'm, I'm in the trucking industry I knew nothing about the trucking industry a year and a half ago uh, but then I knew nothing about the ski industry yeah. but I floated that company on the stock exchange yeah. you, can, you can learn as you go along if you ask the right questions to the right people yeah some great stuff can happen. Yeah. And you, one of the things we were talking about earlier, I think it's surrounding yourself by people that know know the answers as well, isn't it? Getting the right team in place. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you think you're the smartest person in the room, you yeah. are in the wrong room for yeah. sure. I, I've always wanted to try and have people that I could learn from, um, whether it's coaching, mentoring, just finding other people that have encountered the same sorts of problems. Yeah and looking at how they dealt with things because nothing's insurmountable. Yeah. So, you know, I've been a big advocate, as you know, of the, the mentoring group. I, yeah. I ran a mentoring group for the best part of seven or eight years in the UK yeah. where the same people would meet up month in, month out from different industries, 
but help each other work on on their own companies. Yeah. So yeah, I surround myself wherever I can with people that are better than me. Yeah. Because it makes me look pretty damn good. <laughs> yeah, so solo, exactly. not so clever. Yeah. But there's exactly. really good people around me that make me look pretty good. Yeah. No, I know that feeling. So, <laughs> so what would you say has been your biggest success, and how did you achieve it? I just what I meant to say my two lovely daughters. <laughs> you can do. Yeah, my two lovely daughters. <laughs> um, I won't ask how you achieved it. <laughs> <laughs> They weren't adopted. Yeah. <laughs> they we'll leave it there. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't. I don't try to single things out like that. I think some some of the small wins have been the things that have led to great big events. So you know, when I was in America, have, having the first trip to America and getting that ski business up out the ground, so easy. You could have just shut the door and not mm. seen the opportunity. And then one thing leads to the other, to the next, to the next. And when you've got some clear goals set. I've always been a big advocate of setting goals. And if, if you've got some goals set, it just blows me away with the amount of meetings and opportunities that present themselves, which otherwise, if you weren't open-minded enough, and if you didn't have some sort of end goal in mind, these people and things could just pass you by and you'd be none mm. the wiser. Whereas right now, with the new American businesses now, we've, we've made friends with someone that was the former mayor of Manhattan Beach someone we met in a bar over a drink and all of a sudden the doors are opening up all over yeah. the place and, and that that's just a one-off but there are so many like that and and i've also found you know the, the givers gain kind of thing works so i'm yeah i'm very happy to help other people if i can in any way shape or form with the business without the expectation of anything coming back but invariably it does yeah the law of reciprocity. Yeah, I was going to say that, but I can't. But yeah. I did it. Hey, have that one on me. <laughs> I mean, one thing you mentioned there is opportunity. I think I saw something on LinkedIn uh, by Richard Branson a couple of days ago, which which sums it up perfectly for me. It's, it's, he doesn't see challenges. He sees the opportunities in all these things. And it's I think there's, that's quite a rare, <clears throat> a rare skill to have. Um, yeah. It's a rare skill bordering on bullshit, I think. But pardon me, but yeah. I think in, in as much as, you know, if you don't... If you don't put a small bit of fear factor in there somewhere and yeah. see that there's a challenge, yeah. the difference for me is I see a challenge as something exciting, yeah. and I'll and I'll take it on. And yeah. it, but it could seem somewhat insurmountable. The big challenge that you've got ahead of you, yeah. how can it ever happen? But I, I'll take the challenge. I'll get scared by it. But that scare will fire me on to get something done rather than yeah. hide in a corner and cower away. Yeah. But if but it always for me, it's not been looking at the scale of something and how big this challenge is. Yeah, that, that UK company, the last one, getting to 32 million. Yeah, I, I made my, my goal to retire at 45 when I was pretty much bankrupt. I, I, I was running the business, but people at work didn't know that we yeah. hadn't been paid for three months. Yeah. They didn't know that the car I had was purely on a lease payment. I didn't own anything. Yeah. They didn't know that the furniture I had was all on hock. Yeah. They didn't know I had a half a million pound overdraft on the bank. Yeah. 100% mortgage on my new home now I just got divorced they don't see all that stuff yeah. but what happens is you start to set things in motion and retiring at 45 was the goal yeah. and I haven't got time to tell you the whole story but I retired the day before my 46th birthday Yeah. I wouldn't have done that had I not got that absolute goal Yeah. but when I set that goal it was just a hopeless task it was, yeah. there was no way I was close to it Yeah. But every day, then, certain things that I did would move me nearer to that goal rather than further away. Yeah. And if it was always at the front of my mind, it had me something to go for. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, saying I don't see challenges, just opportunities, I yeah. think that, that sounds a little bit yeah, yeah. wishy-washy for me, yeah. personally. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, I guess it's setting your razz up. You, you know, if you know you've got something, you all of a sudden you start working towards that, I'm retiring at 45, 
you keep thinking about that every day and everything you see suddenly fits into place well, it helps but, but you get there Spence, even retiring at 45 I was already 45 and a day before my 46th birthday we yeah. were in a meeting room with 20 lawyers and accountants and it got to about four o'clock and one of the lawyers and a gentleman were rather fractious now in the office we're all getting rather tired what say we adjourn until tomorrow yeah well there was no way they were getting out of the office yeah. at, at four o'clock the day before my 46th birthday because tomorrow I will miss that goal yeah plus if I'd let it go at that point the deal wouldn't have happened or yeah. been a different deal they brought to the table in the morning yeah so it just wasn't going to happen it had to get done yeah so no it, there's a there's closure on having absolute firm yeah, yeah. goals clear goals definitely definitely uh, on the flip side then what's what's been your biggest mistake or failure and, and what have you learned from it or how <laughs> so did you overcome that, it yeah, that one's that one's really funny because often when i was talking at conferences you get to q a and people say so we've heard about the good stuff what's your biggest failure and i don't say there's any way to to sound i hope i don't sound arrogant i i, I have certainly not kept track of my big failures yeah I'd rather look at failures that other people have had to help me avoid them yeah, yeah. rather than make big mistakes and go, oh, shit, that wasn't good. Yeah. I, I, yes, I've made some mistakes. I've hired some wrong people. I've made some wrong decisions on which way the business was going. But I have certainly haven't held on to that because I, th I think if I held on to the negative stuff that all yeah. went wrong, that's what you focus on. Yeah. So I, I've been asked that quite a few times and maybe I should dig deeper and try and find what were all my mistakes and I'll lay them out there for people but I would prefer to learn from other people's mistakes rather than mine uh, and not have to own them yeah. and look at good stuff. So I, um, That goes back to mindset again. Now. I think it's that look at the positive glasses half, half full with you. Yeah, You're half full, half, half empty, empty, which yeah. way? You know, it's, yeah. Yeah, I, I would always try and look at the positive stuff. Yeah. Don't worry about who, whether it's half full or half empty, just drink it. <laughs> That's the way I look at it. What's, what's the best advice you've ever had, apart from that? Um, the best advice I've ever had... It is probably, it, again, I, I don't want to sound like a one-trick pony or, or a, a scratchy record, but it's focusing on the positive. Yeah. Look, Looking at the good stuff, surround yourself with people that uh, are great at what they do, uh, people that you'd like to be with, that you'd like to hang out with. You know, if there are, if you've got negative people all around you, whether it's family, friends, work mm. colleagues, you shouldn't just walk away from those people. You should run like the wind. Yeah. Because they will drag you down so quickly and so succinctly that for me, I've got no time for that. And I love them just the same, but I don't need to hang out with negative people. Yeah. And that was one thing that I learned early, early on and a bit of advice was find yourself people that either are where you want to be or are, are like the way you would like to be. Yeah. You mentioned focus there. That, that brings me back to one of the things you, you sort of taught, taught me, the, the WTF. <laughs> I, you know, just because, again, part, part of my world is all about having fun wherever I can. And yeah. it was great fun at European conferences to be able to stick up one single slide for my presentation that just said WTF. Because yeah. whether I was in Latvia or Lithuania or wherever I was, they all got that. Yeah. At least they think they did. Yeah. But for me, that's just where's the focus. Yeah. Because if you, if you haven't got a focus on where you're trying to go... You know, when, when people say, I've got so much going on, so busy, I, I don't know how I'm ever going to deal with all this stuff. Yeah. And invariably, if I say, well, okay, talk me through your day. You know, you, you get into the office, what's the first thing you do? Let's, let's start with what time you get up and then what time you get in the office. And what's the first thing you may do when you get in the office? Oh, coffee in one hand, open up laptop, check my email. Well, stop it. That, that, that's why yeah. you're, you're wasting your time. Yeah. People have got to focus on three simple things they've got to do each day and get those ticked off before they start dealing with all the other stuff we have to deal with. Yeah. There's no one person that's busier than another in business, yeah. but people choose to be busy rather than being productive. Yeah. And that's because if you get busy with stuff in an office because you don't know quite what you're aiming to try and do, yeah. 
and where you're going. Those most important things are what you should spend your time on. So I always ask people, where's the focus? Yeah. And then avoid the attraction of distraction because we've all got mobile phones, we've all got email coming through and Facebook and things. And those those same people, Spence, the ones that say, I've got no time, are the ones that start with email. Yeah. If they haven't got enough email, the next place they go is Facebook. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah. I know that feeling. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, talk, talking about personal development, Steve, what do you do yourself? See, I still don't know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the answer because I... I I, I always have a coach yep. of some sort. So either coaches or mentors, whether that's in person or, or virtual. I read not enough, and like I said, but I, I talk of books though. You've written what three or four books? I, I've written two that I'd put my name th- three, but three. only two that I'd be proud to put my name okay. to. But do, do you not think doing stuff like that and talking at these conferences does that not develop you as well? Because you're learning every time you're doing it. What it what it what it did with the the, the talks particularly opened me up. But latterly. I was invited to go and speak at a leadership conference and I, I thank them very much, but I, I speak on sales and marketing, business development, I don't speak on leadership. And they said, yes, you do. We were at your conference. That was all about leadership. I said, no, 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 maybe we're at the wrong conference. I did the sales conference. They said, yes, but what you told us about was leadership. And, I, and again, this, I've got this um, self-doubt in me still now about you know, like the imposter syndrome. I think I'm gonna get found yeah. out at some point uh, but it took someone like that to remind me that I had done these various things and that I could speak at the leadership conference. And yeah. that's led to so many other opportunities. So it does help me with personal development. Yeah. I suppose that's right. But I, I, I'm, I, I can't tell you I do yoga and meditation and I read books avidly every day. <laughs> There's a mixture of stuff. My yeah. main thing, Spencer, is I, I know that my personal development comes from meeting and hanging out with people yeah. like you, like other friends that I've known in business over a time. So if it's from a personal and business development, I still surround myself now with people that I like to be with yeah. that I think I can learn from. Yeah. And then although I've been paid as a speaker, which means talking, I, I would say I'm a pretty good listener as well. Yeah. I think uh, your talent dynamics is a supporter. Yes. Yeah, it's, which is all about listening, I think. So, a lot so, about listening. So you know talent dynamics. For anyone yeah, listening yeah. that doesn't know that, they should check it out. But on talent dynamics, I'm way the heck off on that other side yeah, yeah. with supporter and listener. And I... I scored, not many people do, I scored zero on the Lord side. Yeah, I was 2% which is, there. I, I, I beat you by two. I, yeah. I had zero. Because yeah. I don't do detail and spreadsheets. Yeah. Because it's not about that. I would See, I would class that as the academic side for me. Yeah. And I don't do that. I'm all about people and yeah. making it happen. Yeah. Two, two last questions. What's key to success? <laughs> Just a little one there. <laughs> eh? um, doing what you enjoy doing it. Yeah. Uh, sorry, doing what you enjoy, doing that, and at the same time doing no harm to other people. Yeah. I, I don't buy into the the, the selfless, selfish um, business kind of a mentality where it's you know every man for himself, but but doing what you want to do and having fun doing it. Yeah. That's, that's pretty simple. Yeah. Agreed. And what's next for Steve Clark? How many more times are you going to retire? Well, <laughs> um, I don't know. Actually, I think I am retired now. Yeah. Even though I'm absolutely working my butt off in a foreign land, setting up another whole business. We've just raised a few million pounds to go and do what we're doing. We're about to go through some crowdfunding to let other people enjoy the, the investment opportunity that's there as well. Um, and, and it's exciting. It's another yeah. whole new territory. I, I envisage that will be sold in two, three, four years' time, and then I don't know what's next. Yeah. What's the saying? Do, do a job you, you love doing and you'll never work another day or something like and that. And that's kind of how it feels now. Yeah, yeah. 
brilliant well thanks very much for your time i know you're back off to the states very shortly so i'll uh, i'll let you go but it's been a pleasure talking to you again and we'll speak soon always a pleasure spencer thank you thank you very much 